0: Well hello friends and uh, welcome back. Uh, We were snowed in or rather snowed out of our luxurious sound studio last week but (laughs) here we are back underneath Edgefield Church and we are so pleased that you have joined us for this uh, sixth episode of the Compelling Community Podcast. Uh, where we confusingly now talk about Chapter (laughs) 7 and uh, the book Compelling Community by Mark Dever and Jamie Dunlop. Uh, My name is Jonathan Worsley. Our faithful uh, stalwart of sound to my right is Dave Hunt, and the man opposite me is our senior pastor, Matt McCullough. So in this chapter, um, we get a little bit more practical. We've laid some foundations in Chapters 1 to 4, and there we saw a vision of community, uh, or a vision for community rather, uh, a community given by God, a community that runs deep, a community that goes broad. And then in recent weeks, we've kind of fleshed out some of the practicalities of fostering that community. In Chapter 5, uh, we thought about preaching. We didn't get to talk about Chapter 6, but that was on prayer. And now we are thinking about building a culture of spiritually intentional relationships. That is that this week's topic, building a, to- a culture of... Of spiritually intentional relationships, which all sounds a little bit like a ecclesiological gobbledygook. <laughs> so why don't you just put that in real terms for us, Matt? What are these spiritually intentional relationships?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't actually have a smoking gun sentence from this chapter to capture it. I'm just going to try to put it in my own words. I think um, a spiritually intentional relationship is one where you're on purpose seeking to encourage each other with the truth of God's Word, especially about Jesus and who we are in Him, and what what His gospel, His work for us means for the lives we're living now. Um, th- that's the spiritually part, and the intentional part is, is that it takes work, it takes focus to do this. It's not just going to happen. Yep. I, mean, we're, we're, I don't think we should avoid talking about things like sports or you know, what's going on with your kids or... Uh, what new restaurant you found that you really like last weekend, or, or whatever else might come into the conversations that two friends have. It's not that we should avoid those things, but if we aren't intentional, that might be all we ever talk about. Yep. Whereas in a healthy local church and for a healthy Christian life, we want it to be normal to talk about Jesus.
0: Yep. So I'm thinking we're talking less about nouns. We're talking less about small groups. Sunday morning. Bible studies, and we're thinking more about verbs, uh, encouraging people and confronting people and confessing to people and praying with people and, and counseling people, yeah, right? Absolutely. Great. Which brings me kind of to the, the the heart of the chapter, really, which is pretty much programs, bad, relationships, good. Is, is that kind of a fair summary of the chapter? And is that really what we want Edgefield to be about, programs, bad, Relationships good.
1: Well, I think that's that's a little stark, uh, more than what I think they would intend, and certainly more than what you and I are going to subscribe to. Programs can be really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the the key is not whether it's programs or relationships, but whether any programs you have foster relationships, because relationships are the end game. the 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 things that we're called to do in one of those lives in the New Testament depend on healthy and intentional relationships. So anything we do in terms of our planning or our calendaring as a church has got to focus on those. And I think what we want to avoid is the—and what they do a good job of highlighting in the chapter—what we want to avoid is the sense that just because we're really busy as a church or as an individual Christian, we're fruitful. Yep. We're growing spiritually or we're healthy. Um, activity doesn't necessarily mean health. Uh, and um, I think in particular, when, we're, when, we're, when we've got a really full church calendar, um, sometimes it can actually get in the way. The, the activity, rather than, than showing health, can prevent the kind of health that we want because programs are tough to pull off, you know? They take a lot of volunteers, they take a lot of time uh, and a lot of effort. And if they aren't really going to have a lot of bang for your buck in your in relationships you have with other people, they're getting in the way rather than helping you
0: yeah so our programs a temptation for you particularly as a pastor because i think kind of between the two of us maybe that's a little bit more me and, and my temptation um, i was reading a bit on when they were talking about um i knew a pastor once who caught the vision and put together an excel spreadsheet and i thought oh no they might be talking about me here <laughs> yeah you do love a good spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> so talk about yeah. like your temptations maybe towards programs
1: yeah, I mean, I, we probably don't have the same temptations to it, probably because I'm such a terrible manager and builder of things like that. Um, and relationships are definitely more my speed and personality and gifting and what have you. But I'm absolutely tempted towards what they mean by programs, which is this, I think. Something that you can plan, execute, put on your calendar, and put in your sort of roster mm-hmm. of things that your church has done lately that show you've got something good going on. I feel my temptation towards that every time I go to some sort of event where I'm going to see other pastor friends, you know, like an annual conference or convention or something. And we're sitting around talking shop. And of course, we always ask each other, How's things going on? And how's things going in your church? Um, what do you guys have going on? And every single time I can feel myself drawn towards some sort of clear metric, like, Well, it, things are going great because. X number of people have been coming on Sundays or because this summer, just wait till you hear the programs that we've got going for kids and for adults and to rattle off like the busyness, what's in the calendar yeah. as as how things are going in our church. When when really to answer that question well, I'd need to be able to talk about specific people that I know who are doing specific things to invest in specific other people in our yeah. church. Not not just because we planned it or called them to it, but because on their own initiative they saw that was how they could serve.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, it's not just the sinful temptation of something that's, that's visible, but it's also that, that programs are kind of not messy in the same way. Yeah, totally. So, you know, I've been working this week on the, the sermon schedule and it's, it's like I get to divide up the passage and then, you know, it's it's, it's done and I, I kind of see it and I know how long it'll take me and it's all really neat and i expel the spreadsheet at the end. Yeah. You know, But, you know, give me a 19 year old student and say, make this is this kid more like the Lord Jesus, (laughs) then you know that you can't just Excel spreadsheet their life, that they're people and there will be mess and there's no guarantee of of a kind of clear kind of growth pattern as you go through. And I have to remind myself, therefore, at the end that, yeah, when I stand before the Lord Jesus at the end, I will not care about my sermon schedule, but there is a person who will hopefully be with me uh, in eternity. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's always about relationships. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, one of the things that I think of, one of the passages I go to is Paul talking about how he's sorrowful but always rejoicing when he sums up his own ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's about the most honest answer I could ever give to another pastor who asked me how things are going in our church. Because I think in a healthy church, the mess is always going to be there. Yep. Some people are going to be struggling, right? There's going to be sin patterns that they're having a hard time shaking. There's going to be marriages in distress. Uh, there, there's going to be un, unreconciled relationships that are on the way, hopefully, towards reconciliation, but aren't there yet. Alongside of that, there's going to be victories won. There's going to be people seeing freedom from sin, there's yep. going to be marriages restored. We're gonna be sorrowful and always rejoicing as long as we're in the mess. And yeah. so it's gonna be complicated to answer a question like So how's how's things going at church?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. we're
1: focused in the right places.
0: Yeah, so if, if we are all about relationships, we talked quite a lot about some of the things that, that we do to, to foster that in terms of reading the Bible with people and counseling people and praying with people and reading the Bible with people and, and, and all those things. One of the things that they mentioned that which Perhaps wasn't instantly on the on the top of my list when I think about uh, discipling relationships. Was hospitality? Mm-hmm. They seem to make a really big deal of that. Yep. Are you surprised by their thoughts on the importance of hospitality?
1: I don't know that I was surprised by it. I was really glad to see it there. I needed to see it again because I do tend to f- sometimes forget about that in in my focus on the discipleship parts, on mm-hmm. the f- intentional, structured. Let's read this b- book together. This portion of the scriptures together. Uh, but I think they're, they're exactly right. I think that fits the emphasis of the New Testament. I thought of uh, Romans 15, 7, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you. Um, that that in hospitality, what we say to each other is there's no agenda here. I want you. Come into my life. Yeah. You're welcome here. And that's that's how God has treated us. It's just a beautiful way to reproduce that over and over again. And I immediately thought of you, brother, Um uh, when I read that section, uh, probably when our friendship took off was when my family stayed with yours when you were still in London. Yeah, we were friends already. It wasn't like complete strangers just showed up on your doorstep, but we didn't <laughs> know each other very well. And you guys welcomed us for several days of sightseeing around London. And one of the things that Lindsay and I have talked about often since then was the Sunday we spent with you guys, where you know you spent the, the whole morning preparing to lead a service and preach, kind of a, a, a solo performance for you as a single staff pastor at the in, in the congregation at the time. Your wife spent that whole morning solo parenting, <laughs> trying to wrangle your kids into readiness for that service. And then you pulled it off, and, and then as soon as it was over, you guys just corralled four or five single dudes who happened to be there that day without a plan, corralled them over to your house next to the church. You, meanwhile, run out to the grocery store just to grab a loaf of bread and some some sandwich meat to throw on it, uh, but you wanted them in in your life, despite yeah. the fact that you just spent the whole day trying to get ready for this service. And we talked about that often and, and tried to emulate that—that that, that the spontaneity and the the just normalcy of it for you, yeah, in that day as part of your life's your family's culture, and there for your church's culture.
0: Yeah, and I think it was helpful just as living right by the church. Yeah, and obviously that's something that you've tried to do, and we try and encourage people as, as much as they're able to try to live close uh, to the church. Or at and, least and to other about, members. Yeah, exactly. And think about job and, and all those things. But is there a danger, perhaps, that we become a bit, you know, cultish? Or, moreover, that, that this kind of impinges our evangelism? Yeah,
1: it certainly could be. I think that's a real danger. Um, if we just spent so much time together because that's what felt easier and more comfortable. Um, there, There is a danger there, especially if our times together are really just hanging out and we're not ever talking about Jesus or getting into the mess of each other's lives. But I think it's worth it. I think it's actually part of our evangelism It's One of my favorite sections in this book, they talk about if you want to, to warm the house, you don't, you don't take the coals from your fire and spread them around the house, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. You heap them up together into a big pile so that so that they burn hotter, and then the warmth actually spreads further. And I think that's how God has designed the local church, that we are at our best evangelistically when we are at our most committed to one another, investing the most time in one another, because that's the kind of love for one another that tells the truth about Jesus to anyone who's watching us.
0: Yeah, amen. I, I just thought that was a wonderful... Uh, illustration at the end it's the fact they talk about it it warming the room but also there's a brightness there yeah uh, so it's something that's just so attractive that that people want to be they're drawn to the warmth but they also see it from far off as people are in each other's lives and yeah i think that's a key evangelistic strategy it's funny to think that that discipleship and evangelism are just so closely linked when so many often people think of them as 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 a kind of opposites or or pastors think, you know, do I focus on evangelism or do I focus on discipleship? We see those uh, knitted together in scripture. Well, friends, I think that is uh, time for uh, this week. Thank you again uh, for joining us. Uh, If you're interested uh, in this topic anymore, let me just plug a couple of books as as well. Um, Three books that are well worth uh, your time. Um, If you want an Australian version of this, you can go for The Trellis and Vine uh, by Tony Payne and uh, Colin Marshall, I think. Uh, If you want an American version, uh, I recommend Master Plan of Evangelism by Robert Coleman. Uh, If you want a British one, uh, Sophie Peace writes a really good little book uh, called One to One. So those are great resources uh, for you on top of this book uh, to think more deeply about the topic of discipleship. But we will leave it there. And uh, thank you very much for joining us indeed.